not going to actually make a stupid joke to intro this podcast because I, I, do you have to be serious now that that there's a real playoff series that we were about to cover? Some some would say I've always taken this a little too seriously. It's possible that that is true, but I mean, you know, we're always kind of light, we're jovial. We, we joke a lot about this because, you know, Panthers' existence has never exactly been fun, so you have to make jokes to, you know, get through it. But now, I mean, based on those two games that we just saw, I mean, I guess we do have to take this kind of seriously because, uh, boy, I, I, I'm trying to figure out, like, how do I react to the positivity of the season being as good as it was and then get to the fact that the playoffs are going to be so much fun, even if they don't win. Just because you, you feel like, as I do, and I don't know if you agree, but I think you do, like it felt like this was the turning point in recent history. Like It feels like we've left the era of consistent mediocrity, and we are now in a different era of this team. Like You don't, you don't have a season this good where they're going to finish third, fourth, or fifth overall and not be like, no, it feels like something legitimately has changed here. And well, after all those years of us yelling and screaming and losing our minds, it feels like all that's finally been rewarded, at least somewhat. The, I, they put themselves in a position to make good on what you just said. I mean, I think that's what they've done. I, I still think that they need to win a playoff series. They have to at least make it go down to the wire against the cup champions and, and, and show themselves well. Um, at, at the very minimum, uh, but yeah, it's it's a great season. It was a general manager getting the most out of the market. It was a coach implementing and tweaking schemes as the season went along, and we'll talk a little bit more about the schemes and strategies uh, in the podcast. Um, you know, that was an evolution across the year. We saw players continue to get better. We saw new additions uh, not have the adjustment time. Uh, and, you know, it's not just like, oh, it was a little streak they went on when they joined the team. They, when they continued their play, whether it was off waivers, whether it was being called up, uh, you know, everybody really at the end of the season, if you really consider it, did their job, and that's not usually the case for Florida when you can look at the front office, the coaching staff, and for the most part say everybody did their job, improved over the year, uh, and we're pulling in the same direction. Uh, and, and that is a watershed moment for the franchise. Um, you know, that's something that a Tampa Bay, a Boston, uh, Philadelphia, for the most part <laughs> – you know, Carolina now, Vegas, Colorado, those fan bases expect that going into the years, you know, these days. Uh, and that's what Florida needs to expect going into next year and, and moving forward uh, because they've shown they can, they can do that and they have the personnel committed moving forward um, that really shouldn't be much of a drop-off or change. You know, looking at their age profile, looking at, you know, the commitment to Coach Quenville, uh, you have to keep these expectations high. Have to. And it feels like they have now taken that step where they expect this of themselves. And there's a couple of ways I think we've, we've learned that throughout the year. And the first one, and I think it's a little odd, but this is a pandemic that we're still in, that we can point this out. 
it has not been one-to-one -one that teams that had horrible pandemic issues and had outbreaks of COVID have had bad seasons universally. Carolina had a COVID outbreak. They're fine. Colorado's had COVID issues. Boston's had COVID issues. Good teams have had COVID issues and worked through them. But one thing we've you, it hasn't really, I think, been talked about enough is that the Panthers had no COVID issues this year. None. The only people that appeared on the COVID lists were quarantines because of travel and a false positive. And you know what that tells me? This team knew early on that something really special was brewing, and so we have to all pull in the same direction and not screw this up because if we do, we could squander all of this. And, again, good teams that had COVID outbreaks, we talked about it, you know, they're able to work through that because that's what they have organizationally. That's who they are and what they are. But the Panthers have not yet been to that stage until this year. So the fact that they didn't have any COVID issues and that shows you how they were all pulling in the same direction and say, we have to do this. We got to make the collective sacrifice for what is such an impressive season. And that, I think, is extremely important. And, it, and, and it's something that, again, it seems minor, but it's one of those things where you go, boy, it's actually impressive that they were able to do that for a, a team that's in a market that has so many temptations that could have caused this to spiral instantly because you're in <laughs> South Florida and COVID's <laughs> swimming in South Florida. Well, I, that, that's true. And I don't think it's just COVID. I mean, if you look at the man game loss uh, or, you know, player game loss, you should say, uh, it's, they've been lucky. I, I know you, it's hard to say, well, x Led's out for the remainder of the year. Uh, but I'd rather be Florida health-wise than Tampa Bay health-wise right now. Um, Pretty much, yeah. I mean, they and, didn't have their best you know, player all year. Stamkos, half the season was out, and Hedman is apparently so broken that he needs surgery when the season's over. Right. And, you know, I don't care. I don't care. I'm not worried about Tampa and their injuries. I'm not worried about Pat Maroon. I'm not worried about Yanni Gord and Brian Inglom being super focused on the fact that Brandon Montour had a jersey, pulled a jersey over the guy's head. I mean, I'm not focused on all that. Florida, just, I'm focused on what Florida needs to do to continue the momentum they have and the scoring they, they, they're showing right now and their puck management, most of all. In those last two games against Tampa, they showed a puck management, a, pu a defensive awareness, uh, a commitment to team play, uh, that they had not shown at that high of a level and over a course of two games, six periods, uh, like they did against Tampa. So that's hugely encouraging. And, and if I'm Florida, all I care about is keeping guys happy and keeping guys focused on just continuing, just staying on a roll. How do we do it? What do we got to do to keep that happening? I have, I have a couple of points on that, and those games were incredibly impressive to watch, and the Pat Maroon comments yeah. about saying, we're going to make you remember yeah. the Tampa Bay Lightning, right. which was kind of hilarious. And, 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 and real quickly, in the, same, in the same vein, you have to throw those two games out because you know winning big against Tampa in those two games don't really matter, and if anything, it's going to just motivate them more. Uh, so you just have to, again, keep your head down. Don't get too big of a too big britches for yourself, you know. Uh, stay grounded, even keeled. Yeah. Well, I was about to say, like, part of me is like, I don't want people to think that those games really matter when it comes to the playoffs. Joel Quenville said it too in his in his press conference after Monday. He was like, "Listen, these games coming up are going to be entirely different. You have to assume yeah. that they're different, and the Lightning are going to be much healthier than they were in those two games anyway. And they were six zero and one before that three game losing streak. So." I don't, they, I don't put much stock in what we just saw. Right. 
Other and, than the Panthers showing the lightning, or Pat Maroon at least, that, you know, we we are as good as we say we are, and you're going right. to have to play yeah. to our level. And that is, it, that, obviously, that's really impressive. I thought the Maroon comments were stupid because if this was Carolina, I might have agreed with him because the Panthers have been terrible against the Hurricanes this season. But against Tampa, even in their worst games, they've been up for it every single night. You know, they have really played well against the Lightning, which we have never said because the Panthers never play well against Tampa. They always get intimidated by playing that team and what that means. This year's the first year where they're like, we are as good as the Lightning, and we are going to make you notice us. And they did. In every single game this season, even the ones where they were bad, they did that. And that, to me, is, is, was the mistake Pat Maroon made. He's like, don't give the Panthers motivation to play against a team like you. They don't need it. Well, yeah. I mean, it was just a stupid comment from a guy whose only role is to be like playoff savvy and like do all that. I, I think it was a, a he's somebody who takes you know well informed swipes at the opposition, and I think that was a little haphazard. So you know, it, it's something that yeah, Florida might use on the whiteboard, but I think more importantly. What Florida is using on the whiteboard is, you know, just the in general proving to everybody that they are the better team in Florida, that they're going to, you know, keep Florida hockey on the map. And this is, you know, their turn. Uh, I think that's generally, I think, going to be a more winning message. Um, But, you know, a a series I keep thinking this is going to or I'm hoping this is going to be is like those string of series between Pittsburgh and, and Philadelphia in the early 2010s um, are where, you thinking you know, that 2012 series where I mean there were fights every night I mean one of the games had Pittsburgh well, winning like 9-1 or something well but. it was one of those cases where Pittsburgh was considered the better team quote unquote even though they had a guy like Giroux you know Flyers had a guy like Giroux who was just as good as Crosby was at that point and things like that but you know the the bigger thing was when Pittsburgh focused on the Pat Maroon comments and all that stuff and like said that stuff and Crosby with his I hate everybody over there and you know like that's when they lost it when they didn't give in to that stuff, when they just stuck whistle to whistle and just ate ate everything Philadelphia did in the neutral zone, scored off the rush, cashed in on their power plays, and just kept their cool, Philadelphia lost the series. And it was kind of what Pittsburgh was always reacting. The You know, it was all about how Pittsburgh reacted, and I think that might be how this series is going if you want to take into account the last two games. And, you know, if Tampa continues to act like that, I think it's very much going to be like that type of series where it's how will Tampa emotionally respond to what Florida is doing, which is great for Florida because what's that saying? Florida's dictating the game. Yeah, and that's what – I mean, and that is a great compliment. Battle. That is an amazing yeah. compliment to the, to the Panthers being able to dictate the way they play against the Lightning. And yeah, as I said, it, it, it's exactly what Carolina does to Florida. It's what good teams do. They, they tell you, this is how we're going to play, and you better be along for the ride. And I think that's really, really interesting for this team to be able to do that. And a lot of it is, as I said, it is the fact that they were this good consistently and the fact that they never got spooked by the Lightning. Now, it happened against Carolina, yeah. and we'll make predictions later. 
But the fact that they are playing Tampa, I, I said it earlier in the pot in one of our earlier podcasts. I'm like, I'm not afraid of playing the Lightning if I'm the Panthers. They have every bit of motivation to want to play them and do well. Carolina would spook me because they don't play well against the Hurricanes. And there isn't that same level of motivation. Like the, the Panthers and Lightning, there's always that heat there. And we've joked a lot about how Vinny Viola, you know, desperately wants to be the Tampa Bay Lightning, desperately wants his team to be like what Jeff Vinnick has. And we joked about that a thousand times. But, you know, you kind of see, you know, that motivation is right there. The Panthers have that immediate motivation. Like, they know that team on the other side of the state is what we can be if we want to, you know, if we can get there. And now the chance to beat them in the playoffs would, again, you can't erase the fact that the Panthers have been garbage for, you know, a generation. And the Lightning have two cups. And the Lightning have been the best team in the league in the last decade or so, there or thereabouts. But it shows you that the Panthers can say, we are equal to you now. You are not this team that's automatically better than us. We are on your level. And I think that, as you talked about earlier, I think that's amazing motivation for a series that I don't care about all of these other. There's going to be great series this postseason. I mean, Montreal, Toronto is going to be fun, but the Leafs are going to boat race them. You know, I really can't wait to watch whoever plays Minnesota, whether it be Colorado or Vegas. But if you're a neutral, and I know there's one Jeff Merrick who has been talking about this a lot, and I think. A lot of people in hockey are going to figure this out. The Panthers-Lightning series is going to be the best series of the first round. Because what other series are you going to get the combination of truly high-level hockey, and you're going to see truly high-level hockey, two amazingly good offensive teams that have the potential to do what they both are able to do. You know, extremely elite players at the height of their powers, but also the potential for it to spontaneously combust into 140 minutes of penalties. What other series is going to have that and genuine, you know, active hatred? What what other I mean, series is going to have that? I, I mean, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. I don't want to overhype this beef, you know, until maybe it's like this. We see what these series turns out to be. But there's a Toronto Montreal series. There's Vegas St. Louis is going to be pretty competitive. Avs Minnesota is going to be, you know pretty competitive on washington boston level, on pure hockey just like pure I, insane skill like colorado minnesota is going to be just immensely fun like i can't wait to watch that so i mean yeah and there's there's different things at play it's like the the avalanche style and the minnesota style is is you know a yin and a yang so to see it head to head is going to be really interesting toronto montreal you have the circus so i mean what I think is the most important thing is all of these series are going to be pretty good. I mean, Pitt and Islanders, Carolina and Nash. Well, I would well, say Carolina, Carolina Nashville is going to stink. I don't think so. I think the, the thing that's helping is Nashville's peaking at the right time. So it's going to be pretty interesting. And I got to say one thing about Carolina. It, I don't know how they will play in a messy series with a team – you know, like I think when they play a team that's structured, a team that's going, you know, like a good team, they do well. Um, but I think in a series, the Brendan Moore matchups and a lot of that, like preparedness, kind of goes out the window. Uh, and against the team coached by John Hines is what you're saying. Well, I mean, I'm saying if it if it gets messy and becomes, you know, a, a series of mistakes and, and momentum and things like that. Uh, I don't, I think, you know, it could be a lot closer than people think. I, I do uh, not think it will be close, but I, I think we should focus 
at least right now on this on Panthers Lightning, and we'll get to other series. Just some quick talking points on it. Yeah, later. I mean it's going to be exciting. I think it has an opportunity to be, but uh, you know I don't want to discount some of these other series because we we actually have a really good slate. Uh, you know, it's, I, as, this, for as many format, the way it went this year, and the fact that all these teams played each other eight times, has has given us postseason series that feel like even if they're not like the heatiest of heat series. You know, it feels like there's going to be energy there. There's going to be something very interesting uh, in just about just every wish, one of them. I just wish they reseeded after the first round, too, and, like, swap. You know what I mean? Like, I don't I like the I can understand why they did that's a, that's a little – yeah, but, I mean, you just got to get it done. So let's focus on, on Panthers Lightning. And what is so interesting about this is I don't think home ice is going to matter entirely because both teams have proven they can win – in each other's building. Although Andre Vasilevsky, for some reason, is really bad in Sunrise. I don't get that. He's like 3-6-1 and one with a save percentage under 890. But that's I think, I, weird. I think home ice always matters in a playoff series. It's about the matchups. It's about, um, you know, you really get a chance to, to dictate the pace if things go the right way and, and force, you know, the other team to, to respond. And that's, you know, with the line matchups, that's within the win loss column. Um, and I, I just, I, I'm, everything's going to matter in this series, especially if it's something that a team can use to their advantage. Well, I think that's, what, gonna... that's what you would have in a, in a series with two of the best coaches in the league with Quenville and Cooper, who can extract little bits out of every right. single matchup and every single moment. Uh, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to make this prediction right off the bat. This series is going seven. I can't see any way. This series isn't going seven. I, I don't even know if I want to make a prediction for this series. I, I think um, I, I'm just I think this is where I kind of just shut up and just, you know, kind of I can talk about, <laughs> you know, what the systems are and everything. But as far as predicting what's going to happen, I'm just hoping that, you know, Florida shows up and executes. And, you know, that's all I can and hope we get the bounces um, because it's going to be, you know, such a 50-50 game. It's going to be about um, – who makes the best use of the power play, who stays out of the box, um, you know, who wins the puck races and who doesn't stop or let up early in games or on an icing or something like that, or, you know, who keeps their head a little cooler. Uh, and it's, it's coin flip almost. And, and, for, and for that reason is why I say this series is going to go seven. Like, but, I, I mean, fully imagine yeah. a, ser- a game in this series in which the Lightning win like 5-6-1. But then I imagine also a Panthers game in which they just they look like they did over the weekend, where I, they just I completely can, dictate the terms. But I would say on top of that, I can imagine where either team sweeps the other team. 100%. I, part of it is like sweeps are so hard, and particularly because this year everybody's seen everybody. It's not like we have those series where you played three times against another team. There, yeah. Or, or for there. okay, well, I could see it, you know, being four-one either way. If yeah, you no, no, no. Way. I could definitely but, see it being four-one. But yeah, I, 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 I just you know, I could like the, see, I could see one team getting out to you know a two-zero, three-zero lead, and it being either team. You know, I, I, I really could because you know, like you said, this is there's a lot of contextual situational things 
as far as Tampa's health, Florida's health. Um, you know, we're going to be seeing Lomberg in the lineup 100%. Based on practices, cannot and might be the seventh D that we would see. And that's kind of telling you the type of series Florida is expecting. And <laughs> yeah. Ryan Lomberg in a playoff series. Well, now the, good, I, now the thing I will say is this. He's better than Shane Harper. That is true. He is better than than Paul Thompson. Uh, He is better than Paul Thompson. I mean, what number of people played in the play in that playoffs air quotes last year against the Islanders? Brian Boyle played in that. Oh, okay. I mean, Brian, I I would say, I would say he's equal to a Brian Boyle, but I don't know which vintage. Okay, which vintage of Brian? Brian Boyle is playing for the U.S. at the World Championships this year. That is, and so is Justin Advocator. And a coach by Jack Capuano. By the way, that, those championships might be worth it because Canada and U.S. should have some prospects, top-end prospects. Could, could be. I, I, well, that's later on. Um, so if the Panthers are fully, fully healthy, and I think the way that they managed everything down the end of the season shows you that Joe Quenville was thinking about this from the start. If they're fully, fully healthy – I think the lines are actually pretty easy to figure out. Like he's, he's kind of telegraphed what they are. Um, Yeah. He's telegraphed. I mean, yeah, it's going to be pretty easy. I'm, I'm a little upset that I, 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 we don't really know what's going on with Juleson, but I think given the, that they really want cannot in, in there, I I think Juleson is somebody that they should have given a little ice time to, if he was healthy down the stretch if they're willing to juggle the goalies down the stretch they should have been willing to give Juleson a game or two just to just to see it didn't have to be against Tampa uh, it could have been against Chicago Dallas or something or even you know a couple games before that we're, we're going to hear about his injury at the end of the season you're going to go oh Jesus that's that was bad well I, I I really hope not I I really do hope that this is just a new Navarre situation where um, you know he's healthy and Quinville's just like you need a couple months to just sit, marinate, and then I'm going to start using you. And you know, if there's an injury or something, he might step in, and we'll see. Or he might just take off next year. So I, I'm really hopeful for him still. I, I, there's no reason to not be hopeful yeah. for him. Um, I mean, if but... Gustav Forslund can have this turnaround, I, I think Noah Juleson can too. I mean, they're both similarly talented players. Well, well, what's dumber about this pit. Panthers season, Tommy? Is it that Mackenzie Weger's playing at a Norris caliber level and played better after Ekblad got hurt, or that Gustav Forslund has been this good consistently? What's dumber? Um, the the part that Weger's gotten better after Ekblad gotten hurt. Um. <laughs> Is that not like not, one of the most funny not, things not, we we not followed? Not because he was, you know, carried by Ekblad or Ekblad made him, but I mean, just think about how much harder it would be to to do your like for Barkov to do to get better production and play better, you know, if he started losing Verhage and Duclair and you know that kind of. Well, I mean, he did make Seth Griffith somebody a Panthers fan liked for about fifteen minutes, so. I mean, I I think the uh, the Barkoff car Florida, wash. Florida fan, Florida has a high um, trust level when it comes to 
team generated hype on prospects and people or or, uh, or, or players that come off of waivers and or yeah i are... see i see a lot of jerseys and stands on tv that i'm just very shocked <laughs> are still I'm out not. it's the pan it's the panthers we know it we know this fan base um but in terms of these lines i think it's pretty simple like how they're gonna go they're gonna do verhagi yeah. barkoff duclair again which That's again bad. i mean we haven't we've barely seen it because they've never been healthy together but when well, they were good they were yeah, Honestly, and I just great. I'm just really hope, happy it's not Marshman up there. I'm I knew that it wasn't going to be once they got fully healthy, but the I mean they never were. At points it will be, at points it will be. I mean Quinville likes Marshman because he's good at that puck management part I was ta- telling him about, and the part he's good with puck management is he's good at holding on to the puck and waiting and waiting and waiting and then putting it into a safe spot once he's under pressure and he has to give it up. Um, but it's not always the most creative play. It's not always the play that helps Barkov out the most. So that's why I don't really like him in a top six role. Um, and I, you know, spot third line duty, but I, to me, he's just a, NHL fourth liner, and there's nothing wrong with that. I say this same thing about Achari for the most part. So, I mean, I, I agree with you. He's better than most of the fourth liners the Panthers have had. He's just a fourth liner that sometimes for yeah that for the reason, playoff series against Tampa, his starting spot needs to. I'm hoping is on that fourth line, like and, it's it's being forecasted. Yes, so. and then the second line um, is. Sam Bennett, I, I, I don't know if any of you read that article by Haley Salvian of The Athletic, who covers the Flames, and you should, about uh, why Sam Bennett took off like a rocket when he got to Florida. Isn't it so funny that we're talking about, you know, a Panthers player uh, coming in from another team and taking off as opposed to the alternative, which is the team sees somebody leave and then they get better? Like, that's – I like that. I like this reverse uh, – this, this opposite world we live in. Yeah, although, you know, it's not super new. It's kind of something Florida has been getting better at, and they've just kind of been amplifying and finding better diamonds in the rough, so to speak. I mean, they were able to do, you know, we hear about Riley Smith, Marsha Show, Vertrano, you know. Dadunov, I guess. Dadunov, yeah. And, you know, they. I, I still give them credit for Dunskoy because, uh, you know, they really could have had Dunskoy and should have had Dunskoy. That's true. Um, but they did draft him. Um, so and yeah, it's it's great. If, well, it's it's if funny they to weren't say so it was toxic, him. he would have wanted to come back like that enough. That enough uh-huh. only came back as a favor to talent. Ah, well, it's funny that Bennett has played so well, and we, we again we talked about him maybe being a winger in the end, and it turned out that he just played too well that they couldn't do anything about it. They had to have him as be the center. Uh, well, he, I, I think. The if you read the the Jack Han article on, from his Substack, Jahan Hky dot Substack. I don't know why you haven't. If you don't read Jack Han's stuff, you you should. It's brilliant, and you learn something. Yeah. And that's that's the goal of, you know, really. I think the goal of of what we do here, we try to do at least. But Jack Han does it way better than us. We try to make sure you you learn something about hockey, and Jack Simple. Han's stuff is brilliant. And the key to it is it's simple. He doesn't use many words, and he has 2D flat graphics that are easy to look at and understand and to put together with the words. So that's why we we say you should go read it. It won't take much time. Um, 
Yeah, uh, I forget where I lost my spot there, but um... he has also just released um, a, a, a lightning stemming the tide against the Panthers piece, which maybe I'm going to read kind of out loud while we do this. But this is a very interesting. He's reading. He's writing a lot about this, and that means I mean we could just geek out all day about this because um, obviously he brings in so many different elements. I've wanted to have him on the show. I'm going to continue to try yeah, to do but that. But the, the, the systems he was, he's talking about, but mainly how Florida has evolved their neutral zone puck recovery and zone entry um, tactics, it benefits somebody like Bennett through the middle. And it's... You know, it is. It's not out. It's not out of this world revolutionary where you know it flips the game on its head. But it's progressive enough where, you know, my issues, concerns about him through the center aren't really, you know, don't really apply. So it makes sense why he's flourishing, uh, you know, off that rush and, um, you know, coming back through the middle and things like that. Uh, and, you know, I. I, it's I've been impressed with his play. It's, it's 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 great. I mean, that's why I was, you know, somewhat optimistic on on when they traded. I mean, for him. none of us were none of us could have said, oh, he's going to have more points in his first ten games as a Panther than Pavel Bure, which is just I, I just stupid thought, fact. I, I just thought that he would be, you know, like Wenberg good or something. But it's been better than and Wenberg's had a career year, and it's it's funny how like the Panthers are now kind of a car wash where you could come down, you could get your career back on track, and then and then. That, you know, get yeah. the bag. But I mean, it's... you think about it. You look at all the no name, and I don't say this pejoratively, but you look at all the no names or the how Vegas or Colorado, you know, like Colorado's playing Jacob McDonald like 20 minutes a night some nights, and he looks great. Like, remember Jacob McDonald, the guy who scored a goal in his first NHL game with the Panthers, and then they sent him down and he never played again? Yeah, I remember that. And, um, like, you know, it, some teams have a system, have a culture, have, you know, all of that where they can do that. And that's what we've been saying we wish Florida would do. And we're seeing some signs of early receipts of that forming. Uh, so it's nice to see. And, you know, hopefully Quinville is going to be not afraid to keep playing some of those guys and keep that car wash going. Uh, we saw Denisenko, we saw Hepo Niemi play pretty well down the stretch, uh, even against Tampa Bay. And I would, I would like to see them get some game action. Um, I think that they're just as good as some of the guys we know, you know, is going to be in that lineup, uh, like Marchman or um, Lomberg. Lomberg. And to be honest, I would put them over Gusev. Yeah, I mean, I want to. We the not that I'm line, against Gustav playing either in you know sheltered minutes, but very sheltered minutes. Also, the good thing that we're seeing is that Owen Tippett has you know it, the the light bulb went on. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, end, the, we talked about a lot of those, a lot of the different tweaks. I mean, there's the way they the new the way they play in the neutral zone. Uh, I think has been an evolution across the year and really took off when they added Montour and Nudavar into the lineup and they lost Ekblad and they, you know what the most important, you know what the most important and impressive thing that I think the Panthers have done this year is. And I I think a lot of it's Bill Zito and Joel Quenville's working relationship is that when they go out and get players, even if on the outside, we weren't huge fans of the Montour edition, they find a specific skill set, saying we need this very specific thing. 
And then Joel Quenville says, I know how to maximize that thing while minimizing the weakness of other people. It's like, it's how he uses Radko Gudis. It's how he's basically gotten the most out of Keith Yandel you can possibly get out of Keith Yandel without, you know, having Keith Yandel be Keith Yandel, basically. Um, it's, it's the ability to get Sam Bennett to be in the position he's been in. It's the ability to make a guy like Mason Marchment look good. You know what I mean? Like, it is the ability to find a skill set, maximize it, and get every single thing out of it you possibly can. It's the blood from the stone thing. And that, I think, has been the most impressive part of this season. It isn't, you know, because we've talked about in the past that the center of gravity for the team was always the bottom of the roster pulling down the top of it because they always had Barkov and Uberdo and who could do whatever they wanted, but the rest of the team never picked it up. And now this year, with this ability to maximize little skill sets, you know, it, it, it has led to Brandon Montour being good when none of us thought he could be anywhere near this it's sam bennett it's the ability to you know tip it being unnecessarily scratched at times but now i mean the light bulb's gone on and he's playing like a top six forward it's it's one of those great aspects of this team this year that makes you optimistic about the future and that is not something that we could really ever say about the panthers like it happened briefly with somebody in the past and that's allowed somebody like Uyghur to take a huge step forward and then Forsling to be Gus Forsling. Um, I do want to mention the Jack Hahn piece that he wrote. He just posted it today. Um, and I want to get your opinion to this. Cause I don't know if you've read it yet, but first principles thinking, why is, are the Panthers good? And Jack Hahn has two reasons for that. It is, um, and it's on his sub stack now. It's free. Uh, the Panthers defense sprint into the play to create advantages off the rush. We know the Panthers are a great rush team. We've talked about that a lot, and you agree with this. Well, we, we, I, I have some notes on, on the piece for, for today, so we're, okay. we're, where, are we, where are we talking about? So let's, I'm talking about today's, so there's a lot of things we could get to, but I want to talk about, like, what, what the pan, like, he, so let's focus on this. So this piece from today um, that Jack Hunt wrote, yes, today. it is okay. two things. I have notes out. on the, the original piece on the Panthers. Okay, well, we can, tie that, we can tie that in together, and let's okay. do that. So the first, so this is how Tampa, he thinks Tampa should counter the Panthers. That's but the, the genesis of this piece. What are the two things he thinks that makes the Panthers good? They sprint into play to create advantages off the rush, and he shows a great gif of the first goal on uh, Saturday where it's just a Uyghur and Forsling rush, and then you have that third man in play where the defenseman comes in into that space that's vacated because the defense are driven back, and that's how, you know, you can get the defenseman to score the goal. Joel Quenville loves the third man in play. And then when a rush fails, the Panthers' defense get really tight to suffocate counterattacks, and he shows a play earlier where you watch the gap between two defensemen. It's really, really tight. Their gap is, is quite good. Um, and so what he says that the, the Lightning need to do, they need to convince the Panthers that joining the rush is a bad idea, and the one way he says basically doing that is pound the crap out of their defensemen, I pound the crap out of Mackenzie Weger, which is basically what he says to do. I mean, yeah, I think that that's that's underestimating the tactical. I mean, the the issue with the Panthers' strategies are they place a huge amount of risk and responsibility on the weak side defender uh, in the system, and if you can exploit that whether it's on the defensive zone breakout 
when they have the weak side defender activate pretty early in the breakout kind of with the wingers and, you know, from a higher spot than the puck. So if there's a turnover, there's really no ground to recover. There's no really time to recover, even if they are mobile, um, which, you know, the Panthers D definitely are. Um, so if you can pinpoint that, if you can jump that and make them have to go throw the puck up to their wingers and then pound the crap out of their wingers or, you know, shut down their wingers and make them chip and chase, I think then you have a better chance of breaking it up. I don't think it's just about inflicting pain so their defensemen can't play their game or scare them. I think you can, you know, you can take those, you know where the, the that defenseman's activating, you know how they're activating, and you know that if they turn over the puck there, there is no back support because their wingers are flying the zone. Their centers are, you know, like everybody's flying. You know that, you know, that's a risky spot, the the mid-slot area and defending your blue line, your offensive blue line and zone entries where they're really tight in that neutral zone, like you were saying with that tight gap. That's where you can expose and exploit that second defenseman, that weak side defenseman and take them out of the play counteractively, not just physically, not just by, you know, scare tactics, but um, just being prepared and aggressive and putting pressure on them to make mistakes when they get the puck or when they're transitioning. I think that there's, I mean, and, and the biggest issue for the Panthers when they don't play well is offensively, um, sometimes they do take too many risks, and then you can get by that, you know, one of those defensemen that, that pinches in. It's usually the left side defenseman. You know, usually it's not all the time, but it usually is. Um, yeah, I, I would just be more like. I get it, what he's trying to say. Like, if you pound Mackenzie Weger, if you forecheck him right, and you but make him, Alder D aren't Mackenzie Weger, and they all play this system. And again, it's you don't even have to hit them if they're if you can get them to turn over the puck in the area consistently, you'll score enough goals to win the hockey game, which is the goal. So, I mean, the reason. Florida is susceptible to that is because they don't have the horses. Like, as much as Forsling and Montour and some of these guys are really good at the at fitting the system and everything, when the system goes wrong and they have to scramble and defend back, the mobility makes up for a lot. The reach and their you know overall puck skills make up for a lot. But you know the one thing that some of these defensemen lack: Keith Yandel, Montour. Uh, Gudis is a lot of defensive awareness and you know handling rushes and things like that so it can definitely be exploited and it's something well what he said in this I I agree with this needs better D that are more multifaceted that can do what Montour does that can do what you know Yandel does and you know is a better Forsling you know not that Forsling isn't isn't bad but they need you know a I, I think they're still missing that one defender who's, you know, we are good. Mm. Oh, you're, you're right. And one of the things and, he said, one of the things Jack Hahn said in this, in this little quickie article was if you break down Uyghur, then you expose Forsling, then you force Nudivar and Montour to do things they don't want to do, and then you eventually can turnstile Keith Yandel. Like, that's what he's saying. It's like a domino effect. If you, if you like, neutralize Mackenzie Uyghur, then all of these other things can happen. And some of that is definitely true. Yeah, but I think you can make your hay. I mean, I think you can just live off of the bottom half of that decor. 
I mean, because you're ta- if it's Tampa Bay, they have the finishers. They know they're gonna have enough pressure in other ways. Um, that it's just about getting one pressuring the Montour or Yandel or Gudis or somebody enough in th- those positions to cough up the extra goal a game or those extra couple chances a game, and it'll work. We talk about this in the playoffs. It's moments. It's little things that happen, little, little breakdowns that can change a game and change a series. And you're right. And that's why I say, whatever happens, this is going to be a long series because the Panthers are good at forcing those breakdowns too. And sometimes just systemically they create those advantages. As I said, with that third man in play, right, where you yeah. find the trailer, they pass, they get to that space, and they take advantage of it. Or for the Lightning, it's we have enough good players to make your not-so-good players you know, you're only as strong as your weakest link kind of things. And the Lightning can definitely do that. We've seen them do that hundreds of times. Yeah, so, the, like, the biggest thing that, you know, Florida can can do, obviously, is if they see Tampa Bay pinpointing their defense, you know, on the breakout or pinpointing their, um, their you know, their exploiting their neutral zone coverage, you know, it's it's very easy for Florida to then switch back and do something a little more traditional, a little, you know, something that is a little more simple and just attack faster up the ice through their wingers instead of having their D puck rush and puck carry uh, all the time. Because what they have is, I mean, particularly when you have Duclair and they're using this on the penalty kill, which I think is actually, like, really creative and a really good idea, was... They, we can force those turnovers because we have really fast wingers. You know, in some cases, we've got guys who could absolutely fly, and that's what they've done with Duclair on the penalty kill, right? And it's generated a bunch of shorthanded chances. Because one thing Duclair, even if he sometimes, you know, over-elaborates in the offensive zone, doesn't shoot the puck when probably he should, his speed absolutely is killer if you force those plays at the, at the, at the blue line, which he's done. And so, like, they could definitely do that. Now, not all of their wingers are that fast, but like particularly when they have Verhage and Duclair, who could do that, and Vitrano could do that too, because Vitrano has that speed, right? Like that's one of the things that they could definitely do, and they have available to them to use the speed of their wingers. But also, I mean, the you have Barkov who does what he does with those little defensive plays. You have a guy in Wenberg who is very defensively aware, even if you know he doesn't have the offensive upside, right? There is that offense that defensive awareness that, that really helps. And with Bennett, it's that north south straight line stuff that really works. So they have the ability to be multiple, I guess is 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 a football term, like to give you different looks and to put different things in front of you. And I think that's one of the good things about the, the Panthers right now is that they can be multiple. They can do different kinds of things like this. And they're, I think they're that, starting to, as long as, you know, these guys, everybody continue to play this way, um, you know, which, uh, you know, at this point, why not? So. I mean, and, and I want to get a little bit more into this, uh, this, this, this first Jack Hahn piece, right, that you were talking about. And it's so interesting, again, talking about how good general managers, which Bill Zito has had a very good year, you can find players, if you're smart enough and you look in the right spots, you can find players that add to your skill set without having to spend an amazing amount of uh, money or capital to get there, right? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, Zito did a really good job, and I think, you know, he highlights that in the piece. Uh, Although I think it's a little smoothed over. I mean, 
Alex Barkov uh, kind of shows mean, it's it's. I mean, any, it helps any when you have it helps when you have a top sport. five center in the league well, and you have Jonathan Huberto. No, but what I mean is like you know he's calling Barkov Alex Barkov. Like this is an outside perspective, so things are a little more smoothed over in some parts. Like you know, Uyghur was top pair duties a little before this year. It wasn't just last this year. year. And last year. you know, like you know, Tippett. Tippett's being used this year, you know, but it's, it's one like of those things where, where, where we can go and say, uh, you know, it's like no. one of those things we can go and say, Tommy, we've been yelling and screaming about this for two years. Use Owen Tippett, please. We wanted this last year and they didn't do it, you know. Yeah, but I mean, until until literally the last week of the season, they weren't using Owen Tippett. Oh, you know, like it's not. Like it's not Owen Tippett's usage is not that much different than other years. So I, I don't want to say that's on Z. You know that Zito didn't really do anything with Owen Tippett. Quinville just decided to use Owen Tippett a little more at the end of this year, and you know that's good. That's great. Um, I, I but I, I think what I'm trying to say is this has been a solid evolution from Quinville coming in, and. It's now, um, you know, a lot of it is also just players playing at the top of their game. I mean, all their players are playing at the top of the game, and that smooths over a lot. It's, it, is, it has been, again, a season where all of the things that we hoped the Panthers could be, they actually did all of those things. Uh, and there is one thing we haven't talked about yet, and I think we should because we are, what are we, 45 minutes into this show? Uh Elephant in the room, goaltending. Now, Wait, how I, is that the elephant in the room? It's for because Boston. because the because there are Panthers they fans make are not going to be happy. Who well, I who I think well, starting game one. I said this would happen, didn't I? As soon as they wanted to give Spencer Knight games, as soon as they, you know, well, they did, didn't want to just let their starter get into a rhythm down the stretch and just you know here's our starter, Sergey Bobrovsky, because we all knew it was going to happen. But they gave fans this false expectation by riding uh, the three-headed monster for, you know, way too long down the stretch. And uh, I, there's contingents that want Dreger to start. There's contingents that want Knight to start. But there's and the contingents, not really that, contingents want that want Knight to start Rafi's. include Dominic Moore on NBC, which was utterly hilarious. And Spencer Knight Dominic is really playing. Dominic Moore had the worst taste in helmets. He had that stupid Velcro back helmet. So I'm not going to take his opinion really for anything. Okay. Uh, but but if Spencer Knight plays in this playoff series, that means one of Bobrovsky and Drieger got hurt well, and the other completely crapped here, their pants. Here's what I'm going to say about this goalie situation is you signed Bobrovsky for a lot of money. The owner wanted Sergei Bobrovsky signed. Probably in the same way the owner wanted Spencer Knight drafted. and But it, he he's paying a lot of money and the reason he was signed was to play Tampa Bay in the playoffs a hundred percent. So you get to play Tampa Bay in the playoffs with a team that's gelling and playing good in front of them. And the last game Bobrovsky plays is a good outing against Tampa Bay. I don't understand why he wouldn't play. Oh, no, no, no. I a hundred percent agree with you. So he's starting game one. So that's, and you can have a short leash. Whether that's you know he gets two games, he gets he gets one game or whatever it is, but Borowski has to be the starter. I mean, there's no because 
you don't want Knight to start. And to me, Knight is number two. I'm putting Knight in over Dreger. And and I guess the reason I'm saying that is just because I just feel better watching Knight in the crease than Dreger. Just probably like a lot of people feel better watching Dreger than Bobrovsky. But those people and I don't speak often. <laughs> you know what no, I mean? Like, don't. so it's Bobrovsky has the talent. He's been able to win. He's the only one with playoff experience. He's beaten Tampa in a series. Uh, he's a former Vesna. He's playing well enough. You know, I, I he's finally seems comfortable with his new pads, with his new blocker and gloves. He finally seems comfortable with the defense. The defense finally has a working system that plays to their strengths. Let's see how this – let's give them a chance. Let's give them a chance. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? They lose the series, which they're likely to do, which, you know, 40 – at least 45% chance that happens. Even if you're the most optimistic fan, you have to admit there's a 45% chance the Lightning win the series, regardless of goaltending. Well, so, uh, Panthers goaltending. Panthers goaltending, yeah. we should say. Yeah, um, and and I but, agree with you. And, well, so, to the point where I think that that Bobrovsky should start now. Drieger yeah. will be the backup, and I bet Drieger plays at some point in this well, series. You have to know. You have to know. You you can't. You'll never know with Bobrovsky unless you give him this opportunity. hundred percent. And if you don't give him this opportunity, the bridge is most likely burned because. That's how relationships work. And then you're stuck with this contract, which is immovable. You cannot move it unless you want to I mean, burn your I'm entire roster. Worried, I'm not worried about Bobrovsky's contract for a lot of reasons. Like, he can just go play in the KHL for $10 million a year, and this contract just disappears. So, oh, they'll, they'll get Kovalchuk for that in the Panthers if that happens. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm not where – or, you know, like, this can, this is a – Bobrovsky can always be paid to go away. So I'm not worried about it. Um, so I figure I figure he starts. I think Drieger's going to play at some point in the series. I think everybody I, expects Drieger I, to play at some point in the why, series. Why? What is What playoff series do you just play your backup goalie? Oh, no, no, no. I'm not saying that they are going to just play him. That's not going to – I don't think that's going to happen. So I think Joe Quenville – You're expecting Bobrovsky to be bad. I'm not expecting Bobrovsky to be bad. You're saying at some point Drieger's going to play. I'm saying I think Drieger's going to play. What? And Why I, do you and think that? Because I think in every postseason – and Joe Quenville – and I go to the 2015 Blackhawks. Remember what happened with them? Well, when, I mean – I think it was Corey Crawford got hurt. I don't exactly remember. But remember – they hadn't had the backup whose name is escaping me. What's the name of that backup? Let me go look that up. I'm sorry. I should be better at this. But, I what? mean, what, Antiniemi? But it was not Antiniemi in 2015. I mean, like, what, I mean, this, so you're saying Bobrovsky's going to get hurt? Like, I'm just. I'm not saying Bobrovsky's going to get hurt. So then why not... would they move? So you're saying Bobrovsky's going to be bad? I'm saying that what may ha Oh, Scott Darling, that's who that was. Wow, I'm sorry. I'm I'm stupid. I, I don't understand the. Okay, well let me let let me explain briefly what I think could happen. I now again it, in the ideal world, Bobrovsky plays so well that it doesn't matter. But if something went wrong, then let's say Bobrovsky has a stinker, which is possible. He could have a stinker. 
like they because they needed Scott Darling to win that first series against I think it was Nashville, and then Crawford came back in and they won the cup. Joel Quenville knows what to do and what button to push. Like last year, he didn't pull um, Bobrovsky at any point, so mm. I don't. I think it would take quite a lot to. Pull I just, him. I, I just, I'm very against the idea of schedule of splitting starts. Oh, I which think that's I'm very in the playoffs, I'm and I don't very, think he's going to do that. I think that that I'm fearful that's going to happen. I'm like I, very up on edge on it, as you can tell. But I, you know, like I think that that's my biggest fear with the goalies is that they're he's going to flip flop with Bobrovsky and Dreger. and to me, I think take a fail. goalie and you ride him until you lose faith in that goalie, and then you go to another goalie. And that's then you, what I think is going to happen. Nine times out of ten, once you move away from a goalie in the playoffs, you can't go back. And you have to know that when you make the decision. Now, well, didn't that just, happen with Flurry and Murray at some point? Yeah. And then you, t- you talked about how, you know, in 2015, Quinville went back to, you know, Crawford and they won a cup. Like I said, nine times out of ten. But, um, yeah. As I said, I think that. It, it does. It would not surprise me if one point Drieger plays in the postseason. Wouldn't but surprise. I think that would it become. Would, it would. I, I don't think that comes from alternating starts. I think it comes from either Bobrovsky gets hurt or he has a stinker and they pull him and Drieger stabilizes. I see, I mean, it's possible, but. But I fully think Bobrovsky starts game one. I don't think there's any way he doesn't start game one. There's a. There's a lot like. The art, yeah, goalies are voodoo, and like you said, Quinville has a touch, so we have to just trust him and judge him after the fact. In, in the, and if, you know, and if people are mad that Bobrovsky is starting this series, then I don't know what I to tell you. I won't be mad if Bobrovsky plays bad. They pull him, they go to the night. I mean, I don't want Knight starting the series, and I don't want Dredger starting the series. I think it's much easier for them to come in down 0-1 in the series with Bobrovsky, or down 0-2 in the series, uh, I think that pressure is off them. I, you know, like I don't, I then it's them just coming in and playing their game. I think starting the series, there's a lot more pressure. There's a lot of other things that can play into a goalie's mind, and it's more likely that Knight or Dreger would not be their best selves. So I think Certainly. it's just best to go with Bobrovsky, the guy who should you know you're paying to have that mentality you're paying to be good right off the bat and be the playoff starter and if you can't do that then you know what to do in the off season then you know you have to start th- you know then you know but been there, done well they've been there done that with Bobrovsky is remember he had that horrible first period in that game one against the lightning a couple years ago Tortorella kept him in and what happened you know yeah, I mean, hear of anything else? I I think I think for me, I got if I if I was a coach, I mean personally, I would just ride Bobrovsky for the whole series and what comes may. Um, but if you're gonna two games, if if you're o two or if you're one one and Bobrovsky's been awful and you've just you know got by by the skin of your teeth, I would go to Dreger and Knight, but I'd probably go to Knight because that's that's if Bobrovsky is not the goalie, that's my goalie. So I that's who I go to in the playoffs. So I think it's gonna be I think at it's this again, point I, they've already they've already broke the seal all night, so I, I'm fine throwing them to the wolves. Whatever. 
I, I, I don't think that's going to happen, but as I said, I think it's Bobrovsky and Joel Quenville has the hook ready when he knows he needs to have the hook ready. And yeah. it was notable I, he didn't pull him at any point last year. I Yeah, but if I I would have – I think Dreger is the best guy to come off the bench, but I would have – if Bobrovsky's not going to start a game, I, I roll Spencer Knight. He, to me, he just – I have way more faith in him than Dreger because – He's. I don't think he's. When I watch Dreger, I'm like, he. He's a good goalie. He makes saves he's supposed to make. He makes some saves he's not supposed to make. He's got long limbs, and he's strong on those limbs, and that helps. Uh, but I just see like a goalie that gets bailed out by the post a, a lot. Gets bailed out by missed shots or like his defense a lot. And with did, you, Knight, did you notice on on Monday how many posts I mean, I, the Lightning hit? I'm not. I'm not saying Bobrovsky at current state isn't similar, but Knight is a diff- I, I think Knight's a in between the best of Bobrovsky and the best of Dreger. I think it's Bobrovsky too. So it, I know you don't necessarily want to make a prediction. Um I I tend to think that you're I mean, you're not obviously gonna... I'm a Panthers fan and I'm realistic that it's going to not be four or five. So I'm going to say Panthers and six, but that's not, that's based on just, that's what I want it to be. If I, if you're asking me to twist my arm and we don't know anything about the health of these players. So if you're listening to this podcast right before game one, and it turns out that the lightning are just not healthy, then obviously I reserve the right to say I was wrong. But if you're talking to me about the little moments and the things that are going to happen, I've already said this series is going seven. I think we, we get to a point where the Lightning have that little bit of playoff nows. And they, if they are fully, if they are healthy as they can possibly be considering the circumstances, that I think the Lightning just have a tiny, tiny bit more. Yeah. So I, I mean, I don't. I say Lightning in seven. Now, two. your prediction is perfectly reasonable, too, and I could easily see it if the Lightning are not healthy. That's and what, that is yeah. very reasonable. The, the, the thing I, I think what you're talking about and I see it too and, and why your prediction is is probably what's going to happen is to make a really lazy and ill-fitting comparison but you look at F1 with Red Bull and Mercedes and everything like what this year they're they're pretty close they're battling out but Mercedes just the whole team the the engineers the strategy everything is just so prime. They don't make any mistakes, and they just always pounce on every opportunity when their opposition makes a mistake because they've just been there. They've won eight years in a row. You know, I mean, obviously Tampa Bay is not that good, but you know, they're playoff experienced. They they've won the cup. They've won a lot of series, and they know what it's like to lose series because they didn't have their foot on the gas in the first round. So. It, it does matter. It, it really matters because there's going to be times where things are falling apart and the period ends and they have 18 minutes to figure out what you're going to do heading into the third. And that's sometimes the difference between getting the wheels back on the road, you know, in game three of the series or it falling off and it ending by game five. That's the difference between a good team and a great team. And the Panthers are a very good team. I mean, there's no but, doubt about that. But only there's two good teams. I mean, there's two teams that deserve to maybe move on. You know, like 
either team that moves on is not going to be out of their league next round or even in the third round if they made it that far. But only one can win, so it's going to be who makes the most of it. I think Tampa Bay, I mean, you said it too. What Florida's doing strategy-wise, I mean, some of the things Han points out in his article, again, go back, read both of those, read everything he puts out, especially get about the Panthers and the series. But Tampa is as aggressive. Tampa is as progressive. Tampa has defense that is going to be active. They have forwards that back check and fill their spots. They have guys like Point, Sorelli, that play that high F3 and find those spaces to activate into with give and goes and those isolated two-on-ones. Those are things Tampa has been doing for two to three seasons. And even though Florida is doing it really well right now, you know, and is doing it maybe at a, at a higher level defending off the rush and, and using it against Tampa um, in the moment, there's no reason to think that Tampa isn't going to adjust and be the better team uh, at that uh, and, and start handling it pretty well because that's what they do to other teams. And, and then you also have the other question. You have the other question, which is, as much as we are fans of Bobrovsky, you're going to take Andre Vasilevsky at some point. And when I Andre mean, Vasilevsky, as the chips are down, I don't think he's going to lay an egg. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter. Again, it wouldn't matter who the goalie was. John Gibson could be, you could pick your, any other goalie. Well, they do look bad he's when he's not going to any place. He's not going to be Vasilevsky good. Vasilevsky is the best goalie in the league right now, bar, down, bar none. Like him at 90%. Him at 85%, I would take over the majority of NHL starting goalies. Uh, you just always have faith in him, and I just always feel like he can make the next save, no matter what's happened in the past. And he plays that same way, and he's in the prime of his his he career. He did look good in these two games, but he's going to have a week off. He's, he's, he's yeah. going to be fine. So as I said, if you're asking me and twisting my arm, I'm going to say lightning in seven. And that would suck. But, again, you talked about the Panthers being close with the Lightning, and that's why I said I cannot see any way this doesn't go seven because this, these teams are too evenly matched. They know each other too well. There's too much on the line. But, as I said, it's those little things. And in these little things, I would trust Tampa a tiny bit more, and that's not an, an indictment of the Panthers. It isn't. No. Be saying the Tampa Bay Lightning have that little, little bit more. Now, again, if it turns out they are not anywhere near as healthy as we think they could be and Hedman can't play – that changes the dynamic of this yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. But we and, don't and know that from where we're sitting right and now. And they don't need injuries. Tampa doesn't need to have injuries for Florida women either. I mean, obviously, no, no, no. Florida the Panthers can, can beat the fully the healthy Tampa yeah. Bay Lightning. I don't think there's yeah. any doubt and, about and, that. You know, so, and they can do it even with losing some of these little moments and everything. Like, it's, the, it's all about the sum of all the parts. So, it, it's going to be a hell of a series. This is exactly what we wanted. I mean... I've been waiting for this 20 years. Almost. You've been waiting. I mean, when you look at the first two Panthers playoff series, you know, when I started really following the sport, they should have beaten the Devils. They were a better team than the Devils that year, and they screwed it up. They lost in overtime. They had their moments. They didn't take advantage of the Islanders. They got goalies in 2016. I mean, we can all agree on that. And those were two teams, and also those Panthers teams were beneficiaries but, of everybody else being bad around them. Here's, this is here's what I'm going to say to just undercut you. Okay. The last playoff series the Panthers were in 
they weren't prepared and they didn't play playoff hockey. That that's my take. Well, it's fair enough. I mean, I don't I don't disagree with you because those teams were by and large flukes and they, accidents. And you know, a team that's prepared and is playing playoff hockey, you know, a thing like getting goalied or you know, like a thing isn't going to slow you down. It's you're going to have to you can withstand those things. And that's it, one thing where I totally agree with you is I don't think this team is going to have that problem because I think they can play playoff hockey. They proved in some of these games in the stretch that they know how to play the way you need to play in the playoffs. Yeah. And that was an important – and we talked just, about that before. Just got to win now. I mean, that, And now they just got to put it together and do it. Because um, it really doesn't matter if you can't win. Yeah, we don't know yet what we're going to do. I mean, we're going to find some way to do something probably after – maybe after every game. We'll see, but trust us. We'll, you'll, you'll hear from us during this series. There's no doubt about it. We, we're going to have plenty to talk about. And I, and I know, and I thank Jeff Merrick for being the leader of the bus on this. Like we want this series to happen. Because... I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be prime time. Barkov has to show up. Huberto has to show up. If they want to keep their, you know, their status of being top. 15 players in their position, top 10 players at their position, everybody giving them props. They have to do it now. I mean, like, they're look at their ages. This is this is their time to shine. And, and I don't doubt – like, I don't doubt them. But, I mean, like, Uyghur, you know, has been getting all this hype. Um, you know, Forsling, like, all of these guys, it's now time to make good. For Hagee, this is the time to show what they're about. I mean, Tan- – Tampa knows what Verhage's about. If any team can can show if Verhage's for real or not at the top six forward, it's a playoff series versus Tampa. And I mean, it's everybody's how are these guys going to respond? Yeah, it's yeah. great to see. I mean, it's not likely that this happens. No, I mean, and Hold that's on, this and number. It two. is it is the ideal series for the Florida Panthers. Like every series would have been fun for this team this year, but this is the ideal series. This is they get everything they want. And if they win, I mean, Jeff Merrick was, was, I was texting with him on Saturday after all the penalty men. It seems like the Panthers win even if they lose the series. And there's part of me that agrees with that. Like, it puts the Panthers on the map and it gives them that. But, again, the, the downside of them losing isn't really that high because their window is open. But the upside of them winning is huge. I mean, it, and, and that's just winning one series, let alone multiple. Like, if they win this series... Like it, it is. It could be transformative for the. Fr- yeah. I mean, it would be twenty-five years without a playoff series win ending. It would be, and you beat the Lightning. It would, it would kickstart a rivalry. It would, it would do a lot of things. And I'm saying it is very possible. And you, you pointed out earlier, it was forty-five, fifty-five either way. Um, yeah. And, yeah. I, I and, think and it, you gotta, you gotta capitalize. Like you said, this, this is a moment where they can really turn things around. You have the attention of the marketplace. You have the fans' attention. I mean, you, and I'll say this: you can they have a much better it. chance of doing stuff this postseason than the Miami Heat do. It's just—it's a fact. Yeah. So this is your chance. We've talked about them seizing the market, and this is a chance for them to seize it. And I—I I, again, I wish this wasn't in a pandemic because I mean, imagine twenty thousand people in the BB&T Center for these oh, games. Uh, I think. I think if you. I think it's not going to be a matter. It's going to be an issue. They get the second round, knowing Florida, Florida's government. Uh, well, stuff, if they care about the Panthers in Tallahassee, that's more than they care about a lot of sports teams in the state of Florida. Um, I so 
I think we've said all that we can say, and I can't wait to watch this series. It's going to be just great. And part of me wishes I was a neutral watching this series, and then the other part of me knows, like, we're, we're as unbiased as we could be, but we both obviously want the Panthers to win, and, like, it's going to drive us insane. I'm gonna this this series is going to take years off our lives, but it's going to be – it's what you want. It's what you want as a hockey fan to it's watch. It's at least be... what we ask for. True. Well, maybe, maybe not. The, maybe not them losing in overtime constantly, which they have not. They think they've lost nine straight playoff overtime games dating back to '96. But anyway, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, the the thing that they have going for them, as much as we like the Chris Steeg, we like Thomas Fleischman, we like Sherwin Bergenheim. Yeah, I mean, like. We look at the lineup now. There's a lot of guys that are just going to keep going through the wall even when the game's over. You know, when the series are over, you know, like there's guys when we lose this series who are going to be playing this game in their heads sitting on the bench for like hours or in the locker room. Like this is going to, if this team falls, I think it's going to devastate them. For, you know, like, they'll get over it by the offseason and, you know, come back, restore But I think it's going to be also that motivation gonna, for them next yeah, season, too. But, like, what I'm saying is they want it. Like, these are competitive guys. These, are, these aren't these are grinders in the sense that they're just tough. But it's that Zito talked about getting guys who are creative and competitive, guys that are plucky, guys that are um, going to go through a wall this that team... don't believe that they should lose. And they if – they, if, you know, it's – 10 seconds left in the game, they still think they can win no matter what the score is. This team, I mean, this team is as motivated as any Panthers team you've ever seen. They have a, they are. I would say, hell. I would say other than the Stanley Cup team, yeah, probably as motivated as all of them put together. It, it definitely feels like it because you watch them play. I mean, against it's the night and day. It's night it, and day. There's like the, the, the continual professional level of legitimate NHL performances we've seen on the ice is just night and day from what we expect from Florida Panthers of old. Absolutely. Or of just recent past. I don't know if old, if we want to say of old yet until they get two years like this under their belt, but yeah, I mean, Hey, I, I, again, I'm not going to, as long, if they do what we think they can do, They've got every single opportunity to win. They've got an opportunity to push this forward. I, I can't wait to watch like, it. Like I'm going to be nervous I'm, as hell, but I can't wait to watch it. it like I said, it's going to be who does the whose best players cash in on their chances more, whose fourth line gets that extra goal or two, whose special teams does well, who, you know, if a goalie, you know, does Vasilevsky keep sucking against Florida? Does Bob? you know, find his rhythm again, you know, it's going to be some, it's going to be all of those things combined is going to determine the outcome. A hundred percent. And I cannot wait to watch I, it. I, I'm really though focusing on, you know, based on these, you know, looking at the schemes and stuff through the lens of these Jack on pieces, you know, I'm looking for, can Tampa exploit that set, that weak side D on, on Florida? Can Florida, have that duality of springing their wingers, having their wingers carry the puck in as well, uh, where the Tampa has to back up and respect those forwards enough where they can't even respond to those D and, and Florida can just do what they want. Uh, and I'm also looking for the battle down the middle. Uh, and what I mean by this is, you know, whose centers are going to outperform. And I'm looking at Wenberg and Bennett versus, you know, the middle 
uh, of Tampa. Sorelli. Yeah, Sor- Gord. Uh, I think he's the center. I don't know. It's hard to tell with Tampa. They they like the the line shuffle almost as much as the other Florida teams. So they they, they do, um, and it's going to be great. It's 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 again. It's everything you could have ever asked for in in for this season. This is the perfect series for this team. And again, if they win, look at what happens. What could be coming next? And again, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. Uh, we do want to spend at least a little time talking about other playoff series and some other things that happened around the league. But obviously, we wanted to focus an hour on the Panthers because that's what we need to do at this time because we've never been in this <laughs> position go. since there we've done Y-Hockey. We've never been in a position. I mean, yeah, last year against the Islanders, well, we, we knew what was going to happen then. Yeah, and know. again, we went into it saying this is not the playoffs. No, and it was a truly whole not the playoffs. Thing. And this, this is a nice little so, exhibition tournament. Yeah. Uh, so now here we are for the rest of this postseason, and I would be forgiven if I'm not going to pay attention to any of these other series nearly as closely as I'll pay attention to Tampa, uh, Florida. Um, I will but, say two things. If, if you can, the Carolina and Nashville, you don't want to get too ahead of yourselves, but it's always nice to scout the possible competition. Um, uh, Carolina wins that in five. I'm giving Nashville I know, a crazy win. I know. But, but Carolina I, is so much better than the, than the Predators. It's I'm not even you, close. I'm telling you, it's going to be a lot more watchable than people think. But, you know, I also, I also think watching Vegas and Colorado as much as possible during the playoffs as a Florida fan is huge uh, because they're going to be playing good playoff, grinded out trenches, battling teams like St. Louis and Minnesota whichever order they play them in. And that's the, that's the level you want to aspire to of playoff hockey. So it's going to be awesome. I, I mean, and they should plays, be later at night or, you know, at and whoever all plays Minnesota in that, in that series is going, that's going to be must see television because Minnesota the, through all of their flaws, like they are not as good a team as the Panthers are. I mean, objectively, uh, but they are, they, they're playing. They're playing above their heads. They're playing. So, Kaprizov is everything in advertising more, and he's lifted the level of that team. But then you're playing a team like Vegas, who yeah, does not I'm, play Minnesota very well. I'm so ready for playoff Nick Bukestad. So ready. Oh, he didn't get his chance in 2016. So, I mean, uh, he'll get his way to bring that get, up. Yeah, he'll get his That's chance not, this year. Um, but I mean, imagine. Let's think about this for a second. The possibility exists that in the second round. We could have Capitals Penguins. Nobody's going to say no to that. Panthers or Lightning Hurricanes. It doesn't really matter who they play. Like, that's going to be an epic series. McDavid Matthews. And then Avs Golden Knights. Like, is the, are those not like yeah. two of the, like, the, the four best possible series and some of the best playoff series you could possibly get? Yeah. It's gonna be. A br- I'm just thinking about the brutality of my psyche. Oh, it's so well, bad. I I want I want to say uh, also. I mean, as 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 fun as it will be for to watch a Montreal Toronto playoff game, I I kind of know how it's gonna end because the Canadians aren't good. I mean, the Leafs are gonna beat the crap out of them. I don't um, know, man. I mean, like the thing. Here's what I'll say about the Leafs. They they're not tested. Uh, that North Division, I mean, yeah, they're tested against each other, sure. But uh, I think Montreal could pull it off. I mean, all it takes is Carey Price to find, you know, a game or two where he remembers what he's doing. And, you know, Toronto is a team that, to me, is a paper tiger. They can fall apart very easily, and they usually do. Um, and it's really easy to exploit them. 
uh, in years past in the playoffs. And all you have to do is just watch tapes of what Boston does and do that. Montreal is a team that is built on doing that. So that's a good matchup if there's any team that I think could take Toronto in the first round, it's Montreal because of, I think, that team defensive aspect and that uh, ability to frustrate. Uh, okay, so then is, is Winnipeg-Edmonton then more lopsided because Winnipeg's been really bad the last, like, three weeks? I mean, you're talking to a guy who thinks... I mean, I don't trust Edmonton's goalies. I don't trust Edmonton if... Connor McDavid can't score multiple points a night, and Leon Dreisel can't score multiple points a night. Although right now the Oilers are proving all of that is possible because Mike Smith has been way better than anybody could have imagined, which hilarious. Yeah, I mean, and it could keep going. You know, you never know when the pixie dust is going to run out, but I, I wouldn't trust it. I think Winnipeg, I mean, Winnipeg has flaws to overcome too, and it's just about what, whether you just trust McDavid to overcome flaws more or a kind of a more well-rounded, well-rounded playoff team where, you know, I, I like the Jets forward group. I mean, if there's a team that can kind of keep pace with the scoring besides Toronto and Edmonton, it's going to be Winnipeg in that division, um, especially if they can get enough out of their, their, their guys like Dubois and, and stuff like that. Um, so said than done. yeah i mean but they have equal d and you know i think their coaches are similarly frustrating uh, with their personnel decisions and stuff like that so again i don't think it's super lopsided i i would think maybe the most lopsided is whoever vegas is gonna play just because to me well if it's vegas st louis yes if it's vegas minnesota i don't think so well i mean i don't want to count out st louis uh too much but i just think the way vegas is playing they're a team that has for whatever reason always been able to flip the switch and turn it on and that's what they're doing right now so well they did play on monday with like actually only 15 players because of the cap and injuries and they and they gave colorado a hell of a game they were very impressive and again they look dialed in they they are the most dialed in team right now in the nhl i think is the vegas golden knights and that seems to be the case every last couple games of the regular season the one one thing that worries me about the abs is that we haven't seen them healthy you know Right, because there's always something with them. Like they've had an amazing season, but we've never seen them fully, fully healthy. And last year, I mean, we happened last year when all the goalies got hurt. But like, do the Abs have the able the chemistry to mix that all together and do what needs to be done? Uh, I hope they do because they're awesome. But we will find out because I, I mean, like if they have to play Minnesota, that is a brutal series. And the one thing I think that is interesting about this format is when you have somebody like Vegas against St. Louis, where there is a more clear you know, better team versus not better team, or Carolina-Nashville, and then you have Panthers-Lightning. Like, I've, I've thought about it in my head, like, does that not benefit the team that finishes first, Carolina or more than likely Vegas, because then they don't have to go through that as much of a slog in the first round because they're in a considerable better matchup. Um, and that's no offense to Nashville or St. Louis, but as opposed to Tampa and Florida, who are going to beat the crap out of each other, and then Carolina gets you know, one of those teams, and then let's say Vegas wins the division, 
Colorado and Minnesota are going to race each other to death, and then Vegas gets one of those teams because I'm assuming they're going to beat the Blues. You know, there's that. In the in the East and the North, it's not quite like that. Like there are far more. I mean, even matchups. Or in the case of the North, I think both Toronto and Edmonton are so clearly better than the other team that they'll both win in five. Um, and the East, the East has the biggest coin flip series out of all of them. Like I, the Islanders have not been good for the last like month. But then again, they'll turn it on in the playoffs and be playoff Islanders. And the Penguins in their last two playoff exits have been embarrassingly bad. But they're playing at a really high level right now. I mean, what does it make you feel like to see Jeff Carter doing what he's doing with the Penguins? I mean, I thought that was a great acquisition. I I thought Carter would be somebody, you know, in a different situation or circumstance that Florida could have benefited at the trade deadline with. Uh, You know, I, I just think he has that profile of still being able to pop in goals and play a decent defensive game um, at his age, and he's kind of showing it now. I think he's just needed mo- – I think he's a player that his biggest – the biggest thing with him is always motivating him, always getting him to feel like he should be engaged at 100% all the time. Um, L.A. was able to do it when they were competitive. If Pittsburgh can prove – Pittsburgh, you know, he's happy in Pittsburgh. He likes playing with who he's playing with, obviously. He sees the talent he gets to get – to have and if they they start going on a roll getting on a roll in this series against the islanders i i could see you know him maybe carrying this over in the next year and and having a decent you know jared mccann (laughs) man there's a lot of guys on pittsburgh who are just you know pittsburgh always has guys who get an offer get an opportunity get an opportunity and uh make the best of it but they're also good at just drafting guys who finish at a really high rate like daniel sprung who's now on his like third or fourth team but his goals for 60s are all still all crazy stupid uh who is the uh, best team in that division like who, who in that who, division pick, who, who of the four washington you think it's washington yeah because you know who i think it is i think it's boston uh Possibly. Well, I mean, I think it's bought like the, one the of those thing worries me with the Bruins, but Taylor Hall, you know, he looks like Taylor Hall again. And the additions that they made at the trade deadline were extremely smart. And they have all of those guys still doing what they do. And they got through a myriad of terrible injuries and COVID and they look great. I'm worried about I, the yeah. Capitals worry me because the they Capitals... have playoff stinkers. Yeah, but I, I think that they made it through the season without expending a lot of energy, without a lot of drama or well, to fight through. You, and uh, well, I mean, other than Kuznetsov, but well, yeah, I mean, listen, the Wilson thing's more of an issue than the Kuznetsov thing, whether they think the reverse or not. Uh, True. So it, we are not going to spend much time talking about that because we've already spent a lot of time talking about other things that are far more interesting. Yeah. Um, so, but I, yeah, if, I mean, if you're asking me who the best team in that division is, I think it's the Bruins. But any of them coming Washington out of that division would surprise me. hasn't even gotten Ovechkin started yet. That's all I'm going to say about Washington and why I think that they might be a little better. If they get Ovechkin to be Ovechkin in the playoffs, I think that's the that tips the scales. So who are the who? If you had to pick right now, and this again, I'm not going to put you making this set in stone, but if you're going to go right now as to who you think gets out of each of these divisions who would you have oh i mean well toronto winnipeg and then i think toronto gets out 
I have Vegas, Colorado, and then I'm going to say Colorado beats Vegas, but that's going to be luck. Coin flip. Um, I think Washington, like I said, gets out of that probably beating Pittsburgh. Um, and uh, Carolina beating Florida. I, I, I can yeah that that's reasonable I, I if you're asking me right now I I don't even know because there's just, just yeah too many. I mean I you, you told me I had to pick I didn't know that was an answer uh, no it's it's fair enough no again <laughs> completely reasonable there's nothing wrong with it I, it, I, it might change tomorrow but. oh it could change my mind could change by the time the show's posted let alone the fact that um, we've got all these other things oh by the way I should have mentioned maybe I should have mentioned it also at the top uh, we have an interview coming to, on Friday I'm gonna not spoil who that is yet, but it's going to be a great interview and it's a little appetizer for uh, uh, to keep your mind at ease before the playoffs. This is the serious stuff. We'll get to the more fun stuff. Well, this is not not saying that this isn't fun, but we'll get to other stuff as we get closer to uh, just a little mind a little mind easer, a, a palate cleanser, so to speak, of an interview. You're going to really enjoy it. Um, let's talk about some other things briefly before we get out of here. Um, the uh, Buffalo Sabers are a disaster, even bigger disaster than we thought. I mean, my God. The new Oilers? The Oh, well, they were the old Oilers when the old Oilers were still the Oilers. Saying something. Um, so where does Jack Eichel end up? I mean, pick a big team. I think he's going to do – I think – I mean, it's a, it's a crazy situation with the reported dispute about how to handle his injury with possibly inserting an artificial cervical disc in his neck or spine or something like that, uh, which is something no NHL player has done. But some fighters have done it, like UFC fighters or MMA fighters or wrestlers or something like that and other athletes. And the, the advantages are – you have way more mobility and your performance would be, you know, in the, uh, you know, over your career would be better. Now the downside is, you know, what's after your career and is this, you know, how's this going to hold up and all that stuff. You have stuff. an artificial but, disc in your neck. Yeah. But you know, well, that, you know, at a certain point it's coming down to who has the right to make that decision. The team that's contracted out, uh, and pays for the insurance and everything and does, has a team doctors and by the CBA has that legal right, uh, the team, or Jack Eichel, who it's his body, it's his career, and he has to live with the decision no matter what. So it to me, I think it's Jack Eichel, whether you like him, you like his opinions, or you like this medical treatment or not, should he get the choice. Um, obviously, he's going to be able to listen to experts and have – you know, he has the money to have all the good options presented to him. So it's up to him, really. Uh, to Definitely. me, every team should be interested in Jack Eichel. Um, if you can make it work financially is the question or not uh, with that cap hit and the flat cap structure. Um, to me, there's he would be the third best forward or second best forward probably on the Panthers. Uh, and is it worth trading Huberto for Eichel? Uh, I don't know, but if you know Huberto is not going to resign or if you know Huberto's number is going to be bigger than Eichel's number is now uh, and you think that's a better move, it's not something that's out of the realm of possibility. There's a lot of teams that would be that would kill to make that. I would, that, 
you know, obviously the injury changes the Eichel value a bit. Um, and the fact that Eichel wants out. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, there's – there's Huber, I wouldn't trade Huberto. I mean, I, I, I think Florida can probably – I don't think that matches what Florida wants. No, 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 no. But no. I'm not against Florida adding him, obviously. I think a guy like Sam Reinhardt is probably where Florida would go first. That's, uh, I, I agree with you there. And, like, and if I you're going to add somebody, add Sam Reinhardt. We get, get Reinhardt. And then we get Dreisaitl, and then we have, like, that whole draft. Ha-ha, yeah. Draft. Own the 2014 draft. Yeah. Um, um, but if but you're asking me where I think it goes, uh, New York or L.A. Uh, I mean, I think, I think he would be smarter to go to L.A. because I think he can make more of himself out there, and I think his personality is more suited to L.A. than, you know. I, I say that because but, the cap situation; those two teams could absorb the cap hit. They have the prospects, the he's, players, he's right gonna now. Want to go to a big? He's going to want to go to a city like you know, LA. They won some cups. They, you know, there's a lot to offer him in LA. And the Rangers are um, psychotic and have fired everybody. Yeah, and but you know, whether it's the Rangers or Bo- you know, he could go to Boston. He could, go, you know, it wouldn't surprise me where he goes. He could go to pick a team, Seattle. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think he wants to go to a team where he thinks he can play competitive hockey and they're going to build around him and he's going to get the top advertisement opportunities from the team in the market. He's going, you know what I mean? Like, I think, I, I think it's, I, if you're going to ask me who I think is going to, like, if you're going to gun to my head, I would say the Rangers. Where do I think it fits him better? Probably the Kings. I think the Sharks. Uh, if I, oh, they don't have the assets, so that's the problem. I think they can get creative. I think if there's any general manager that, that can get creative and swing big trades, it's Dougie Wilson. It's Dougie Wilson. Know, speaking of teams that would definitely do it, you know who definitely would do it, whether they can make it actually visibly happen or not? Vegas. Yeah. yeah I mean, like, literally, I could sit here and make an argument for every team. He's generational i i hate that i mean like you don't like that term because there's so because it means once in a general like it means like at now we're at like it's one person it's the top one percent of the generation okay you know well, fair I mean, enough. Like, it's just hard to really understand what that means to me he's a top five or eight he's a top five center in the league top five eight center in the league and uh you know depending on how much you value right now versus the next five years in that total value. Um, probably more towards eight if you just want. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a hard, hard, it's a hard debate, debate, but I, I mean, it, he's, it is, he's it is Jack Eichel getting traded. A center is a position that you clear the deck to get a top center, and he's a top center. As I said, I, I mean, it he's, is I don't, 100% he, he's out. He's I, out. To me, I mean, I have a much more healthy relationship to Connor McDavid than the average person. So <laughs> he's a lot closer to McDavid than the re- than what people say. But I mean, like, he's—I don't think he's Barkov good, but I think he's like the next center or two after that name on the list. So I think you're right. I think he's traded. Sam Reinhart doesn't want to be there. Rasmus Ristolainen, although uh, who I don't know who wants him. Uh, a lot of well, people don't want to yeah. be Buffalo. Let's just. Okay, I think, I think we need to start giving Rasmus Ristolainen, cutting him some slack. If we are going to see what a team like Florida can do for Gustav Forsling, 
a team like Florida can do for Brandon Montour, who was even worse than Ristolainen on Buffalo. True. Why, like, maybe we should give him – and we've seen what Pittsburgh can do with guys like Schultz or whatever. Um, you know, like the right team and the right system. It, if you have the tools and you're used properly, yeah, he's not – like, Ristolainen's not going to be the – he's always going to undersell the draft perspective. The – He's going to be a top pair guy. Well, he's not, but he can be a useful second pair guy. He might be. A, he might be a guy that you can get some Montour type usage or Nudovari type usage, Forsling type usage, and no one would complain about that right now. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But all of them are going to get traded because the Sabers are terrible. Yep. Sabers. Uh, Sabers are terrible with good players, and that tells you all you need to know. Yes, it does. Uh, other things you wanted to mention. Uh, you. Uh, I want. I want. We. We could talk about Columbus real quick, just because it's kind of like I heard the. I heard all their availability, how they're gonna try to build around line and get them some talent and basically try to compete for to win a playoff series next year, and I'm just thinking, when are they gonna learn their lesson? If if you if Columbus is if any team should be tanking right now, it's Columbus. They have no trust in the fan base. There's no support in the market. No one takes them at their word that they're actually going to be able to. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I just watched almost the most hilarious comedy own goal, and then Chelsea just gave up. That was such a horrific goal they gave up to Arsenal. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. You're watching Chelsea. That's an I'm, I'm watching. I'm watching one of the. Hey, I knew watching, one of the. Like, it literally watching, passed it back into his own net. I'm sorry. That was hilarious. You must I almost be burst out laughing. I'm sorry. Right. Please continue your point about the Blue Jackets. This is not right. meant to laugh they, at you, Columbus. They, you know. What are they, how do they think they're going to compete? They don't have any centers. They don't have any, you know their defense are banged up and they isn't looking good. I don't trust their goaltenders. Their management you have to who has faith in their management right now. They have to find a new coach. Do you want this GM to be the one hiring it? I mean, there's so many reasons they should be hitting the reset button and using Patrick Line and some and some other guys as ways to get a bunch of draft picks and assets to build up because 2022 and 2023 drafts is going to be good. I don't think we're going to get a chance to talk about the U18s tonight, today. Well, on this I'll, give you, I'll give you a brief moment because I watched the final just, of, the, just of, the tw- count, of the U18s. Just back me up here that Bednard and Mitchkov are the real deal, are maybe bar- – are likely Barkov, McKinnon. You know what? You might even be able to argue McDavid Eichel. I mean, I to me, I think McKinnon Barkov is better than Dave, McDavid Eichel. So well, that's, that's your well, that's okay. So it's but, same like, thing. But yeah. but, but, look, but I think seriously, he, he could, well, those two players could be the best players of of the 2020s and the 2030s and the 2040s. Like it's very realistic. Like they're they, they, they are. I don't good. mind using generational for those two, and I don't mind using it for McKinnon or Barkov or McDavid or. Crosby, I guess, if for the way other those people use two, those uh, guys are. Those Carter guys are. Bedard scored a, a backhand in that game. He's plan, 15 years old. Yeah, plan to suck for two years and suck it up because 22. I mean, you look Shane at Wright. The, you look at the Shane Wright, the captain of Canada in the U18s. You look at uh, Yurov, who was uh, uh, an amazing forward for Russia, uh, and really, you know, I think was their best forward. Uh, and their goalie, who's 2022, they have a defenseman on Russia. I 
the name I wouldn't be able to pronounce if I could have remembered it anyway. Uh, but he's 2022 eligible. Um, and, you know, the, you, those are the two years to, to rebuild. I mean, congrats, Buffalo. Yeah, it's going to be good for Buffalo, but I, I think Columbus has every right to do it because you think about it. All right, if they're going to quickly retool and be competitive, how are they going to do it? I mean, it's it's not like Florida where there were some pieces to move. There was, you know, a lot more money that they were willing to spend. Um, you know, there, there's a lot more trust in that front office, and there's a lot more cohesion between the front office and the, and the coaching staff. Uh, Are you about to advocate for the Flyers to do that? What, to... To outright just strip it down and get one well, of those. I mean, the thing with the Flyers is, I mean... What they should do, and what they're going, what they're probably going to do, is kick it, is run it back another year because you they have too much. Like, how do you keep, like, how do you keep connect? I mean, how do you keep connecting and Proveroff for two years while you're intentionally tanking? You know, like yeah, so, you can't. So you'd have to probably give up on them, or you know, just maybe give up on Konechny or something like that. But I'm not against it. But I think what Philadelphia really needs to do i i don't know what's going to change until they get out av and fletcher i think i saw the availability i saw them last year i saw them this year i saw what they look like when they get the breaks and when they're operating at their best and i've seen them when they don't get the breaks and they can't really grab back the reins um i don't know if i'm ready to fire Fletcher yet, but I'm done with every coach on that bench. Um, I just think that they're willing to lose and that's unacceptable from a coach. I think that they're willing to make excuses. And again, that's unacceptable for a coach when it gets to that level. Um, when it was Deneen, whether it was, you know, De DeBoer when he was here, um, it, it, to me, it signals the coach has checked out and isn't, willing to hold players accountable to get the players that are underachieving the play. Cause it's not just a coaching thing, but you're not going to get turned around without the right coaches. And I don't think they have it. They have a bunch of losers like Michelle Terrian and stuff on the bench and Mike Yo, and I'm over it. Uh, and mm -hmm. I think Comcast has been a terrible steward uh, of the team. And I think if I was the Schneider family, I'd be really upset because I don't think that, uh, running it back and, and doing nothing really does a service to this team. Whether you want to make good on Drew's last year on the contract or whether you want the best for fair be in the new core moving forward, um, this is that mediocre middle that is just devastating to a franchise that I, by the end of Schneider's life, he hired Hextall and he wanted to get out of. And it, it was only after he died that they lost patience again. And I think it, it's sad to see that the, the Flyers are maybe not Rangers or Buffalo or Ottawa in aptitude bad, but they are getting passed by teams like Florida. They are getting passed by teams like Carolina that are, you know, talk about former Flyer and, and Rod Brindamore, but do have that top to bottom, everybody pulling in the right direction, everybody working. They have today, tomorrow covered as far as prospects. You know, they're doing everything. 
And when you think about a big market team like Philadelphia, owned by a team like Comcast that's willing to throw money at personnel, at everything, at training facilities, at all of that, it, it has to be better. And there has to be more pushback from, from the people making decisions and from the players, from everybody involved. Because it, it's terrible. We're on... We're almost at the Rangers, like decade plus of ineptitude that they had in the early 2000s, and that's unacceptable. Like this, like they are losing the market. The Sixers, the Union, um, you know, well, not the Eagles. Well, at a certain point, they're going to start losing it to the Eagles if they keep dilly dallying, because the Eagles will get, will at least get briefly get entertaining again. Well, they'll be entertainingly bad, but. This is not a football podcast. Yeah, but I mean, um, like it is. I don't know who needs to of the players that they need to keep and go. Uh, whether Giroux should stay or go, I can't make those calls. But I think Philadelphia needs to decide whether they want Giroux in the whether Giroux wants to be here and whether what that next contract looks like, or if they're getting packages back from Giroux, and if they are what that means to how they should plan for the 2022 and 2023 drafts, yada, yada. Um, but also, like, what is their feasibility of actually competing? Um, if they're going to keep Giroux, what do they need to give him? Uh, it's not more minutes with Jake Voracek. Uh, they have to go out and get some a goal scorer. They have to go out and get a primetime goal scorer, whether that's trying to take the rehab of line A and getting somebody else or, um, you know, a Reinhardt Eichel. You know, Philadelphia is a prime candidate for Jack Eichel. They yes, have they a lot are. of our pieces that they can move. They are a big city we talked about. They are somebody that there's going to be – he's going to get a free BMW because he'll be sponsored by West Town BMW <laughs> or West German BMW. Because West German BMW, yes. That's – Whatever, yeah, whatever the big BMW dealership is on the main line, he'll be sponsored by that. Yeah. I just want to end with a couple things briefly uh, before we, because we can't have this podcast go forever because you're going to be listening to a ton of podcasts this week about uh, the playoffs. Uh, I've seen odds posted for Jack Eichel's next team, uh, uh, the Sirius XM NHL radio stat uh, posed to this. Uh, five to two odds for the Rangers, three to one odds for the Kings. You know who's third? Give me Philly. Give me Philly. It's not. Oh. Arizona. Arizona. I can see. Why? I have no idea. I think they just, I mean, the dude Philly looks like. Philly is at 14 to 1. I mean, Philly could get it done. I mean. I mean, if you if, if I was a gambling man, I might take a punt on 14 to 1 odds for the Flyers getting Jack Eichel. You can, they can give you a forward prospect, a couple forward prospects that are decent, a couple D prospects that are decent, a couple picks, and still come out the better for the wear on that trade. And if it gets down to a, you know, a win by numbers type of thing, I don't know if a team can outbid Philadelphia. Um, I, I don't the Rangers think the, and Kings the Rangers could. I don't think the Rangers would be willing to though, because uh, I think oh, that they're they just fired their entire front office because but, Jim Dolan didn't think they were winning fast enough. Yes, but they're happy with their prospects, and I don't think they'd be willing to move like you know, two of their top D prospects where I think Philly is less happy with those D prospects and will be willing to move two of them if asked. 
if well, and, they really want Eichel. You know what I mean? That's yeah, that's. Yeah, I, I can. Uh, I get. I, I understand, but I mean, they just did a, fire everybody. If it, comes, if it comes down to a true bidding war, what I'm saying, I think that Philadelphia would outlast because at some point the Rangers would say, "We can't give up all this." True. I, have, I mean, I could see that. I mean, like we're talking. Andre Miller, Niels Lundqvist, we're talking Krastov, we're talking, you know, there's a lot of players. You have to give that, up one of Kako and Lafreniere. Yeah, I mean, and and I think Philadelphia is more likely to give up uh, Konechny and Sanheim and two first and whatever for Jack Eichel. I think and they're by the way, we have the first ever. Nolan, Pat, throw Nolan Patrick in there. You know, I think they're willing yeah. to do all that. We have the first ever Seattle Kraken player. That has just been announced. Well, it was like an hour ago, and this podcast has taken guess, a million years before. Uh, Washington native. Played junior hockey in Washington. Um, I, I don't know if that's the case. I have to look it up because I don't know who this is. Um, the player's name is uh, Luke Henman, who played for Blainville, Boisbriand, Armada in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Um, don't know where he's from. Uh, is he related to Tin Henman? This is the guy who does the Wimbledon coverage on BBC Tennis. Well, he's from Dartmouth. That, he's from Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. He's twenty-one, six-foot center. Uh, Should have signed somebody from Washington State. He had, he was the captain of uh, Ar- the Armada for two years. He's been there a while, and uh, they're my favorite Q team. And he's over a point per game this year and last year. So there you go. All right, so congratulations to Luke. Don't call me Tim Henman. Sorry. That was a Chris Berman line there, Ever. Uh, we will get back to you. Of course, there is another podcast coming later this week. I encourage you to stay tuned for that. Don't you worry. We'll have it. Have, it's going to be great fun. You're going to love listening to it. And then once we get to the actual postseason, Tommy and I will be doing some things. I don't exactly know what those are yet, but we will be doing things reacting to games. Trust us, you're going to hear from us after most games in this series. Uh, enjoy it. This is going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be nerve-wracking. It's going to lose some years off my life, but it's going to be a ton of fun. And since the Flyers aren't involved anymore, will I just say good night and good hockey now since they're out of the playoffs?